Hello, welcome back to another episode of No Funk and Strictly Munkin, the only podcast where, okay, I've done this one before, but I need to do it again because it's appropriate. That would do anything for Monk, but it won't do that if that is funking. I am your co-host, Jay Tracy, joined as always by Andre Barrera. Andre, how are you? Hey, um, I'm good, man. Uh, yeah, I'm good. I'm sorry. From, uh, uh, my, I'm recording from my couch today. Uh-huh. I'm sorry about your Rams. Um... You know. Oh man, whatever. It's it's fine. <laughs> uh, Actually, but it, I think I, I think I've mentioned it. Maybe I haven't mentioned it, mentioned it to you, but like I'm at the point in my life where I care the least about football that of course. I ever have in my life. You have told me that. Um, I no, I just said it because you tweeted just my Rams sad face. Oh uh, yeah, it's just the thing you gotta say. Uh, mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I'm good. I'm more upset about the Giants winning the division uh, mm-hmm. with a team full of nobodies. But anyways. Oh well, whose fault is that? Real, uh, you could, you must have lost them a bunch. I mean, if they won the division, you know, if they're so nobodies, they shouldn't have won, right? We both had 106 wins minimum. So, yeah, I know. I'm, uh, I'm a, nothing, nothing the bum ass Mets could ever aspire to do. That's true. I guess the thing is, I'm just someone who, if I, if a team does well, the last thing I ever would do is say that the team isn't good because if they, <laughs> they won all the same amount of games as you. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, I have no, I mean, no, I'm saying, but they're just like a bunch of nobodies. Oh, no, they just, they they had a bunch of long balls, is the whole thing. Um, anyway. um, I suck on my long balls. You're damn right. All right. Uh, so, we're not here to talk about your long balls. We're here to talk about (laughs) Mr. Monk and the voodoo curse. An episode that I said after we stopped recording that I remembered being really good. And I'm going to say this up front, because I think our conversation sometimes can sway my final rating. So I will just tell... I'm not going to say my rating. I will say that before you say anything, this episode was, in my mind, as good as I remembered it. I really like this episode a lot. Oh, really? I, uh, I'm, like, a little bit less uh, enthused about it. It was fine. I mean, it was cool. Um, yeah. I kind of wish it would have, like, been a little bit sexier. Okay, I'm going to need you to elaborate on that. I mean, like, I just wish it would have been, like, there would have been, like, a voodoo priest involved, like, in actuality or something, you know? Oh. Like, yeah, not, like, a white dude named Reverend Jorgensen. Like, yeah, I know. think I think the reason why they probably did that is because I think that the writers of the show, much like myself, have a very low opinion of people who believe in things like that. <laughs> and so, um, like... Fine, but, but, but why write an episode about... Voodoo. Because to, to mock it, honestly, is I think what I would say. Um, I don't know, man. I, I guess the thing I, is for me is that like I'm out I, on that. I'm oh, I'm so out on every single piece of superstition that I just have no like I don't care. Like there's no superstition that I, I think they're all like I don't know. I I just uh, you're never ever yeah, ever gonna. This is gonna be one of those things where we just diverge because um, growing up Catholic, specifically mm-hmm. like Mex or like Hispanic yeah. Catholic, you're just you're superstitious about everything. Everything I understand devil that. or like all kinds of stuff. So I understand that. It hits a different chord with me, and for whatever reason, for a long time until I watched it, rewatched it, not like recently, but mm-hmm. like in the last five years, um, the movie The Skeleton Key scared the crap out of me. Like, I actually never saw that movie, but I know that movie's about, like, New Orleans, Louisiana, Creole voodoo. And voodoo, and voodoo shit. Yeah, yeah, and, like, it got me. Like, it, it, it at the time, it got me. Mm-hmm. And I watched, I rewatched it, and it's not good. Um, <laughs> but it's, it, but it's just, like, one of those things, like, voodoo, like, yeah, it sounds ridiculous, and, mm-hmm. and, and it is ridiculous. Yeah, no, no, no. Like, I'm not, yeah. I'm not saying I believe in that. No, 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 I don't I think you said that a, at all. A healthy portion of my life, like scared of shit like this. I think that, that honestly, because I was also raised Catholic, obviously, but much less severely. And I think that that also is a very the big divergence in like white American Catholicism and like Latin American Catholicism is that I think white American there's just yeah. none of the the like the way I'll put it, that in the brand of Catholicism I grew up with, the devil is not really real. If that makes sense, like it's just, there's just no there's no yeah yeah and and no, that's for- the biggest difference. Yeah, for us, it's, like, it's very serious, and it's, like, a thing you don't trifle with. Like, Mm -hmm. my mom forbade me from ever playing the Ouija board or from going to, like, a fucking, uh, like, uh, what do you call those people? Uh, The people that read cards? uh, Tarot card reader, psychic. Tarot card reader, psychics. Anything like that, like, it's just frowned upon. You don't do that because you're Mm -hmm. just messing with the devil, and it's a very real thing for uh, people of a certain generation. I I think that that's absolutely true. But anyway, well, we start off at a baseball game. There's a chubby kid named Petey who's up to bat. Who he he uh you know he's really trying hard, but then we see Martha, an old lady with those lates those weights that old ladies love to walk with, walking. Right. Yeah. Yeah. She's power walking. Mm-hmm. Um. But I do love that they like you know they say they basically imply that Petey Cunningham is a uh, no good. Right. Mm-hmm. He's like he's not a good player. 
But this guy's still licking his fucking finger, putting it to the air, mm-hmm. like calling his shot. Like, you know, he's doing, he's, he's shit talking. So I respect that. Mm-hmm. And so then we get a thwack. He hits a ball. It goes over the fence, which I don't know. I think that, like, because I stopped playing baseball in Little League when I was 10, and I don't think I ever saw a kid hit it over the fence before at that point. I don't think kids really start hitting home runs until they're like 11 or 12, at least in my recollection. I don't know about you. I know. I, I agree. I didn't play in the league, but um, I mean, this kid was beefy. He's got some, he's got some power. Some I don't know power. if he has muscle, though. He, 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 yeah, he was beefy. But anyway, um, so he's around the bases, and like, go, someone goes to get the ball, and uh, the ball didn't just clear the bases. It also... Uh, Cleared ma- someone's life. Exactly. <laughs> Great. Martha, the old lady we saw... Got hit with the baseball. Um, just real, a real tragic accident um, to happen. But yeah. then we cut to Martha's probably children or grandchildren at her house. Yeah. They're like, you know, have to clean everything up for the funeral. And uh, one of them notices there's some mail and there's an open package. And once again, we're not talking about your balls. We're talking about another package. And what's in that package? <laughs> My boss. No, um, there's actually uh, a voodoo doll, uh, a very specific voodoo doll that has a baseball attached to the head and a little bit of blood on it. So very, um, I guess, unfortuitous for her. Uh, not, not, not great. And it's like, oh, someone did a prank to mock the fact that you got hit with a baseball, right? They sent it afterwards or whatever. Oh, no, that's the problem. It was post- postmarked three days before the accident. Right, so yeah, we've got a real voodoo situation going on. Mm -hmm. And so, you know, we immediately cut to the police station and they're going over the the box. And, you know, some people don't want to touch it. They don't want anything Mm -hmm. to do with it. They don't even want to look at it. Um, I like that Randy at this point uh, sounds like he's afraid of it. But later on, he he basically just fucking poo-poos it. Which is like, all right, cool. Mm -hmm. Um, And and so they established that Martha Murphy, uh, the lady who was killed... Uh, was killed on Monday uh, when P.D. Cunningham smacked, gave her a grand slam around the head. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and yeah, they, they, they established that again, that the, the package was postmarked three days ago. So very spooky, right? Yes. And so um, Monk and Natalie come in, and Monk doesn't have time to hear about this case because he's concerned with a more important thing, that they rearranged the squad room. Um and so, Not for feng shui reasons, either. No, well, apparently it was more efficient that the way they changed it around. Um, but at this time, if you're looking carefully, which I was because I know what the plot of this episode is, you can see that when they mention voodoo, Natalie kind of recoils. She's, like, a little uncomfortable with the whole situation, you know? Um, yeah. And uh, so... Monk I kind of hate that. I kind of hate how this works out. It just seems so fucking cheap, but whatever. That she believes in the voodoo? Why she believes in it? Oh yeah, I think that's a little easy. I think I wish that I wish that was done a little more elegantly. Um, yeah. But I do think the episode needs someone who has some type of uh, visceral response to it. I get it. I feel like I would have respected for whatever reason. I feel like I would have respected it more if it was like a fucking psychic that told her that, as opposed to a voodoo. Uh, yes, I th- I think that that's true. I think that that's completely fair. Um, and so uh, they move everything back, and Monk finally. Um, his mind is clear enough to recognize, oh, it's something about a voodoo doll, and it's bought at bought at Reverend Jorgensen's boutique with a real postmark, and um, and you know, specifically specifically Reverend uh, Jorgensen's boutique in what's it called? Um, Hate Ashbury, yeah, which is a very hippie. Uh, Some place Monk would never be. Yes, uh, it it, uh, it is the place that you would believe has this uh, this in it. Um, and so, um, we then cut to the baseball field where, uh, you know, they're asking the coach and the kids about, um, the home run. And I will say this, if you were Petey, that's the last day you play baseball, right? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Like, no way this guy should be still be in uniform. Not, not even should be, but like, if you're like, tw- if you were 12 and you accidentally killed someone playing baseball, you, how, you'd never pick up a baseball bat again. <laughs> how would you do that? Yeah, it's unfortunate. We'll never get uh, Dan Vogelbeck's career. Mm, exactly. Um, and so, they're talking about how, like, there are not many home runs, and that, like, it was such a freak accident. Um, and Petey wants to know from Monk if he's going to jail. And Monk could say no, but what does Monk say instead? 
Probably not. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I just love yeah. it. Um, yeah. And, and so they kind of like, uh, yeah, so like they're at the scene and, you know, Monk, Dish, and Stoudemire are just basically laughing it off like, you know, they, they think it's all bullshit, obviously, mm. as anybody probably would on the police mm. force. Um, but Natalie is clearly, uh, she's shook. You know, she actually believes it. She thinks, uh, yeah, she just believes it. Mm-hmm. And I know what you're going to say now, uh, famous Disher theory. Yes. There. I mean, it's a great Disher theory where uh, what if someone was using, what if someone was hiding and used a baseball gun? Yeah. Which, you know, we know that, uh, you know, uh, what do we call them? Like pitch machines? Mm-hmm. Pitching machines? Mm-hmm. They exist, but not like in a, a form that you can hold it. No. Um, uh, Homer Simpson hasn't yet come up with that idea. No. Um, I don't know if you ever saw, but there was an episode of The Simpsons where Homer comes up with an idea of a makeup gun. No, and I he not. takes like a two, like a two barrel, like a rifle or a shotgun, mm-hmm. and he has like a thing that basically you can shoot someone in the face or shoot a woman in the face, and they'll like apply their makeup perfectly. Mm-hmm. And he shoots like Marge in the, or no, he's about to shoot Marge in the face, and she hits it away from him, and he shoots it against the wall, and it's like clown makeup. It's actually very good. But Great anyways, stuff. Yeah. Um, but anyway, yeah. But, so they kind of. It wasn't a baseball gun. No, um, and so you know, Natalie has this immediately puts holes in the theory of like what happened to the other baseball, and like also how would someone do that so quickly? Um, and she says it's voodoo, it's real, and it kills people. Which I remember on the commercial for this episode, that was like the big thing, the big line that they highlighted. Um, it's voodoo, it's oh, real. Oh, but but but, but but we also shouldn't forget that. Not only does Disher have a mm-hmm. Disher theory, but Stottlemyre's that does. one too. I'm going in chronological order in this. Uh, okay, I, <laughs> okay, yeah. I was I, I didn't write that down. So this, I think Stottlemyre's theory actually is more insane than Disher's. Is the thing. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. Like he says that you know she was uh, she lived alone and she had um, in life insurance, but it was like anti-suicide insurance. So like if you commit suicide, you wouldn't like get the yeah, stuff. Yeah, I think that that's so, real. So she, yeah, no, it is true. Um, so she basically waited around for this unlikely home run to happen, and then she happened to have a baseball on her, and she, uh, you know, uh, hit herself over the head with a baseball enough to kill her. Yeah. And, uh, yeah. And, to, and they ask her, they ask them, like, oh, so you think she was strong enough to do that? And they mention that, or he mentions, well, she was a power walker. Well, no, she, they all, they all say to the kind of mumble, like, uh, she, I mean, she exercised. Yeah, yeah. And so, um... You know, they're kind of still poo-pooing it, and um, they uh, they we eventually cut to you know Monk is asking like you know did did uh, did a gypsy put a curse on you or something like that like we're trying to figure out why Natalie is so um, you know perturbed about all this. But before they can get to that, um, someone found another doll. Uh, yep. And we see a headline in the newspaper that lightning killed a golfer on a golf course, um, which is the thing that happens more often than you think. Um, I believe that. Because you're in the middle of a field with no metal and you're holding a big metal object. I mean... <laughs> what are the poles made out of? What do you mean? The the tee? Uh, probably metal, but think about most of the coal is nowhere near that. You know what I mean? Like, if you're in the fairway, you're nowhere near any uh, holes. Actually, I also don't know if they're made of metal, but... Yeah, it might be plastic. But no, it is also, I mean, it's pretty common. And so the the, the rule should be just don't uh, golf when it's uh, lightning out. Um, I don't think I need to say that, but just, you know. Um, and Probably stay indoors. Yeah. And so, because um, then also, you're that dumb motherfucker who was golfing when it was lightning out. You know what I mean? Like, if you're going to die, like, die of heart disease like a normal person, you know? Um, yeah, or die while you're fucking or something. Exactly. Or die, but don't die in the toilet. Um because then that's, like, Elvis. a thing people know about. Exactly. Like, think about the fact that Elvis, you know, one of the greatest, one of the best-selling American musicians ever to live. And, like, I think I was maybe, before I turned 10, I learned he died on the toilet. Like, that's not good. You know what I mean? Like. <laughs> yeah. I think the most important things I learned about Elvis was that he was, like, you know, very famous. Mm-hmm. Uh, he died on the toilet, and he loved eating fried peanut butter and banana sandwiches. Yes. Uh, what is it called? Um... Gold something, right? Uh, he has a nickname. Yeah, like for a it. gold rush or something. Yeah, I don't remember. And it's the the it's a plot device in the 2013 romantic comedy What If. But anyway, um, that so, is yeah. yeah. Uh, and so um, apparently the super came into this guy's apartment, found the box, and it was mailed from Knob Hill a week ago. 
Um, and so yeah, the same place as the first one. No, it wasn't. It was a different place, I think. Because the first no, no. Oh, no, was the first two. The or first not Hill, but the other ones. They the made. third one was Pacific Heights. Okay, my apologies. And so they're kind of all scared to you open up the box. Bitch. They're open. They're scared to open up the box. Like there's some hesitancy about opening up the box. Like this, you know, the end of seven. Um, and so uh, they they open it up and the doll. But I just love correcting you. Oh right. I mean, I, I I'm glad that that makes you feel good. Um, yeah. I'm, I also I say that as if like I don't take pleasure in correcting people. Like I'm an asshole exactly, too. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. Like, exactly. I, um, and so uh, the doll is struck by lightning. Um, and, uh, you know, it's, it's scary. I, I think that, um, I think I like about this episode, because I do legitimately like this episode a lot, and I'm fine, you know, disagreeing about it, but I think I like about it is that I think that the way, the way that Stoudemire and Disher and Monk react, particularly Stoudemire, feels like how I would react in, like, in this moment, all of the evidence is the most actually like the the Occam's razor in this situation is that voodoo is real, right? Like the simplest answer of what's going on is, and I think that like they clearly have an upbringing like mine where it's like yes, like obviously all points, but like they'll go to the ends of the earth before they believe that, and I think that that's fun to watch them like like okay, ob- this is strange, but like I mean it can't be voodoo, right? Yeah, no, for sure. I, I, I get your reasoning for liking it. Yeah, um, I also think that it's, uh, there's some fun bits. I, I don't know. I, there's, just, there's some specific stuff I like a lot. But anyway, so then we cut to Monk vacuuming, which I had the thought as I was writing this down in my notes, that have I written any two-word phrase more since doing this podcast than Monk vacuuming? Because I don't know how many times we cut to a scene and just Monk vacuuming. <laughs> uh, that you've written? Probably. The one that I've written the most is someone getting cut, obviously. Oh, right, 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 right. Yeah. No one gets cucked in this episode, surprisingly. Um, no one's gotten cucked this season, I don't think. I, yeah, probably. I mean, yeah. If, if we really, oh, I guess, I, guess, I guess the critic's wife or fiance. That's true. Cucked? A yeah. little bit, yeah. yeah. Yeah, a little bit. I think that you really, if you dig deep enough, you'll get there. Um, and as Monk's vacuuming to get around, um, you know, some stuff, he unplugs his phone, his phone cord, you know. And as this, as this is happening, Natalie barges in and she has a surprise. Yeah, she's booked them um, a uh, vacation. They, they're getting out of town. They got a five-star uh, resort in Santa Barbara. Mm-hmm. And not only that, she got a she got them a uh, she got them a room on the tenth floor, room ten ten, which you know number mm-hmm. of completion. So monks should have no qualms about uh, heading exactly. out on this vacation. They don't have to fly. Mm-hmm. Even better. And they can and they can, when they're in Santa Barbara, they can visit the of course the beachfront offices of Psych. You know, um, there's a lot of things to do down there. Um, and uh, she's got a brochure and everything, and Monk is, like, kind of weirded out, like, I don't do vacations, etc. But then he is kind of like, oh, you did say 1010, you know? Um, yeah, yeah, you got me there. Yeah. And so he mentions that he's still working on the case, and she's like, I'll, I'll call Stoudemire. And she picks up the phone, and she has, if the phone wasn't unplugged, she's putting a lot of effort into making this phone oh, call. Oh, no, she me. sold me. She sold me. Like, I mean, I knew that it was bullshit, but, like, I would have bought it. Well, mm-hmm. Hook, line, and sinker. Yeah, like, because the thing a lot of times when people fake phone calls, they don't give nearly enough pauses in between when they speak. That's the big thing. Correct. Because they always want to yeah. be like, yeah, 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 but that's not how you have a conversation. Right, and so, yeah, so that's when Monk points out to her that, like, hey, the phone you're using is unplugged. So I re- also so- love the way that, I love the acting in the scene, personally. I think that the way that Tony Sloop kind of is just, like, defo- he just can't get over, like, the state of fact, but she's, like, really hurt. Um, and, yeah, yeah. And, he's, and he says and he says it, like, Gently, too. Mm-hmm. He's not yeah. like really like out of, up in arms about it or whatever. Yeah. So, so yeah. Clearly, he knows that. You know, he knows what's the deal, and he knows. And so he asks her, like, "Yo, like, what's your what's 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 going on?" And she just says that she hates the case, which is obvious, like from everything mm-hmm. we've seen up until this point. Mm-hmm. And unfortunately, their whole situation is uh, interrupted by a third voodoo doll. It's actually not interrupted. Or not interrupted. You... Not yeah. interrupted. Correct. Yeah. Uh, not interrupted, but she's freaked out, and that's why she booked the vacation, because it turns out that she got word from Sotomayor that there was a third voodoo doll found. Exactly. So we cut to a house, and we see Sotomayor and Disher talking to an uh, Angeline Dilworth, um, quite a name, talking about how she lives with her uncle, who uh, seems like he died of a heart attack, but she says, no, it was that doll. Um, so, suspicious stuff. 
And as they Monk and Natalie get there, Monk is you know ready to go in, and Natalie she's staying in, she's staying in the car. Yeah, she's in the yeah she's like in the driveway. Yeah. Yeah, she's in the driveway. She's not she's not feeling it. And yeah, they go into it. And oh yeah, and she like you know before he goes in, he's kind of like you know technically this is your job. I could mm-hmm. fire you for this. And she's perfectly willing to get fired at this point in time. I actually think that the way it plays out is... I noticed that it played out differently than that because I think in earlier, worse... Like, when it was at the beginning, they would have done it differently. Where he says, it's technically your job, and she says, then fire me. And I think that, like, in, like, season one, there would have been, like, a standoff about it. But he's just kind of like, I'm not going to fire you, you know? Season two. Season two, yeah, right. Yeah. Um, Because every episode of season two is, Adrian, I can't do it. Or yeah, Adrian, yeah. if I quit. Yeah, exactly. Um, yeah. So eventually, yeah, so Monk goes inside, and essentially what happened was her uncle found the mail, mm-hmm. the, the package, and collapsed. Mm-hmm. And she heard him scream from the other room, and she came down and found him collapsed. Yeah, because apparently um, he was bum, 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 very superstitious. Bum, 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 yeah. Mm-hmm. And so, yeah, so he, she was, like, on top of trying to save him, because she's apparently an ER nurse, um, really wish she said OR, so then I could, you know, do the joke from Rushmore of, oh, are you, um, but alas, I can't, um, uh, truly, I'm not the biggest, I like Wes Anderson, don't love him, that is one of the best jokes ever committed to film, (laughs) anyway, um, so. Yeah, I don't remember it, but yeah, so yeah, they, yeah. They, they go over some of the stuff at the scene, and basically Disher reveals that they found nitroglycerin pills, which is still so fucking weird to me that people took nitroglycerin pills to, like, help with their hearts, considering, like, you just think about nitroglycerin being, like, a, like uh, an agent of, like, blowing something up. My, my, Motley Crue said it, you gotta kickstart your heart. That might be too oh, light right. of a reference, but... Um, Do they mention nitroglycerin? I don't know, but they have a song called Kickstart My Heart. And when I think of nitro, I'm going to name nitro, I actually think more of like, uh, you know, in but in like a, in car movies, like putting nitro, nitro in the... Uh, oh, no, I think mostly of like, I think, I think they use that shit to like, they use it in some effect to like, uh, in that one movie, uh, who's, who killed, who's framed Roger Rabbit. Yes, that's, it is in that. Um, I don't know if... Yes. I, anyway, the old, he used it for the old ticker. Um, yeah. And, uh, yeah, he, he couldn't get to it in time. Um, and apparently Angeline only moved back because she's his only family and she's there to help. But, um... By the way, the victim's name is Robert Boyd. Not that it matters, but just yep. so we know. It, uh, good point. Um, yeah. and so, uh, Monk finally enters and they're like, what, why are you so late? And apparently it's because, you know, it's Natalie. She's all twisted up. And, uh, Stammer points out, you know, you're the level-headed one now. Um, and... Stavar is sympathetic to Natalie because he admits that they've all got the heebie-jeebies. Yeah, I mean, it's like a, it's a hard one to explain, like, on the surface. You know, they haven't gotten to the nitty-gritty quite yet, and, mm. you know, you find three voodoo dolls, uh, or two? Yeah. No, three. Three. But I think the reason why I'm so... Oh, oh, I actually do... No, I'm not just saying this. I think the reason why I'm so willing and wanting to skewer things of superstition and stuff like that is because if I saw a half of a voodoo doll, I immediately would freak the fuck out. Like, I just am so on the edge of, like, I, I, I'm always, uh, I kind of, ha- I think I have to, as, like, a coping mechanism, make fun of anything that we don't understand with science and stuff because that just, it just scares the shit out of me if it's real, if that makes sense. Yeah, no, um, absolutely. I mean, that's how most people re- react to these kinds of things. Yes. Um, yeah, whereas I, and I, it's not like if I watch like a horror movie that like the devil's, I, I actually think that horror movies where like the devil's the bad guy are scarier to me than if it's just like a person always, you know what I mean? Like for that reason, cause I can understand a person being crazy. The devil, like man, like, I don't end of know. days, end of days is a dog shit movie and it's not scary. <laughs> Dude, have you seen that movie? I've seen it like when I was a kid. I, cause we, I watched it a couple years, like six, seven years ago because a friend recommended it as like a dumb bad movie. There's literally a bit where the, the justification for why the world is going to end when the millennium comes is because St. Peter, I think it is, who saw the 666 in a dream, right? You went to Catholic school. Or was it St. Paul? It doesn't matter. Um, Paul, Paul. Paul. When he saw the 666 in a dream as the devil's number, what the priest explains is, but sometimes dreams are upside down. So it's actually every year ending in 999. <laughs> Yeah, I mean, I, I, I haven't seen it since then. Um, I didn't expect you to remember that, but I think about that all the time. Imagine being a screenwriter and being like, fuck, 
Um, dreams are sometimes upside down. And the best thing about that is, and this is the last thing I'll say about the end of days, you'd be like, man, that screenwriter must have gotten nothing nowhere in life. He's so bad at writing. No, he is richer than all of us will ever be because he then created Castle, which ran for eight seasons and is in syndication. So that's great. Uh, anyway. Andrew Marlowe? Andrew W. Marlowe, yeah. He also wrote Hollow Man, which is also not a good movie. <laughs> Wow, okay. Yeah, I just looked it up. Um, yeah. Well, good uh, for him. Shouts to Andrew Marlowe. And the thing is, like, I can't really judge because most of the things I've ever written in my life are dog shit. So, anyway, um, we learned that this guy was loaded. He owned a cell phone company. Um, and uh, Angeline told them that he, like I said, was very superstitious. And the package is postmarked three days ago. Yeah. Um, so, it's not good. Um and they have, like, this whole thing, and, um... Is it a real expression? Yeah, Bob's, Bob's Your Uncle is a British expression. Um, I forget exactly what it means. It means, like... <sighs> Surprise? No, it means, like, Bob's Your Uncle means, like... And they, that that is what it is. It's like, it's like if you said something that's, like, kind of, like... You know, like, you know, I, uh... I was driving to work, oh, and... Okay. And my, I, I popped my tires, so I had to walk the way in the rain, and pff, you're Bob's Your Uncle. I think that's basically what it means. Yeah, I was gonna. Okay, I was gonna be a lot more crude and say like, oh yeah, so I had sex with this girl and we didn't use a condom and I had we had it and she got pregnant and Bob's your uncle. You would. I don't think you would ever say and. It, it's like kind of like a thing you just added. I'm not a harm center. If we have any British listeners, let me know. Um, I've heard it before because you know uh, I've consumed a moderate amount of British content. Um, but anyway, uh, Monk then you know looks at the body and he looks around the house and he sees. That oh what, what what do we got? He Andre pulled out a new drink. What do we uh what do we have? It's a little uh, so- sake. A little sake. Um, and sake even it's a key either or, but sake is actually the only liquor that I learned that I have to check is if it's gluten free because it's the only liquor that's commonly can be made right? with. Well, no, it has, but a lot of it is sometimes supplemented with like wheat in some in some processes. So every other liquor I can just assume is gluten free, but sake I have to check. Just that's just How a fun thing. I sold you. Uh, honestly, I don't know if that I don't. I've been CDAC positive for, like, three months, and I've had sake once, so, in that three months, and that was, like, the second time I had sake in my life, so, uh, can't, couldn't tell you. Um, anyway. Sake to me. Oh, great stuff. Um, and so, uh, the, Monk sees a horseshoe on the wall, uh, but there's a slight problem. Yeah, the horseshoe's upside down. Mm-hmm. Which, if uh, you know, uh, Robert Boyd was as superstitious as he's led to believe, as we've been led to believe, mm-hmm. um, it would be the other way. It was facing down. The two prongs were facing down as opposed mm-hmm. to the other way because it captures yeah. the luck inside of it. Exactly. Like that. And so, um, you didn't know, know. That's how it worked, by the way. Yeah, I didn't know either because I'm not very superstitious. Um, uh, Just a little stitious. I, was th- I wasn't going to say that because I'm... I like The Office, but I'm not an Office fan, and I don't want to engage in, uh, I feel like, uh, I, I would feel bad if I quoted it without being a huge fan, you know? Um, yeah. Anyway, so Monk then meets Angeline, who of course knows him, because everyone knows the famous detective in the town, um, and, uh, we then learn that Natalie wants to go home, uh, from Stoudemire, and Monk is like, what do I do? And Stoudemire says, you know, you've seen normal people, um, act the way they act. Yeah, and so Monk, I think at this point, does go out to her, right? Oh, yeah, no, he, no, ends no, up, no, no. he ends up leaving. But yeah, then he ends up th- leaving. And then we cut to uh, Stahl, Minor Disher going to see the Reverend. Yeah, they go to see the Reverend, and that's when we find out that... This is when we find out that it's Milo? Yes. Okay. Yeah, so they go over there, but before that, there's, like, a f- couple of funny bits where, you know, they come across a couple of powders or, like, you know, tink- uh, you know, just... The typical doodads you find in like these weird kind of stores. Yeah. So there's like a, a lot of doodads powder. and tchotchkes. Yeah, tchotchkes. And um, so they find a money powder, and it's supposed to cure all your financial woes. To which uh, Disher asks Star or tells Star, "Why don't you mm. just buy that?" And Star replies with, "He can't afford it." Mm-hmm. And then they come. That sounds like a, that does sound like it'd be reworded as a Roddy Dangerfield joke. Like I don't get no respect. There's a powder that's supposed to give me more money, but I can't afford it. <laughs> yeah, 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 I can see that. Um. And then they come across something called the Cupid's Arrow Potion. That's a love potion. Um, and so Sotomayor, you know, does a very unsavory thing where she opens a bottle and he takes some of it and splashes yeah. it on. And, you know, not something you want to do. No, that's just disrespectful to the store. But anyway, yeah. um, so they, uh, they they are waiting online to talk to the Reverend. Um, 
and there are people like, are these the same voodoo dolls from the news? So clearly there's voodoo fever. Um, there's a lot of hoodoo about voodoo. Um, and so they finally get up there, and they're talking to him, and apparently the, the reverend who is Meatloaf. Probably, do you have any relationship to Meatloaf? No, honestly, just that song. I remember my mom video. mentioned once, she's an anecdote I've heard multiple times, when I think she was like 20-something, She early in her 20s, she saw him in concert, and... Because like even though obviously he's still big now, he's significantly thinner than he was back in the day. And she he, she said that like he was singing, and she literally thought he might die of a heart attack on stage because <laughs> the way he looked, he just looked like so bad. <laughs> um, I mean, I just like wonder like why the fuck would you pick the name Meatloaf? That is a great question, but it is also like it's one of those things where if he was super unsuccessful, you'd be like, why would you pick the name Meatloaf? But my guy is, you know, had, like, two platinum albums and had a fucking, like, best-selling Broadway show out from his music. Like, I think he's fine, you know? <laughs> well, I just looked it up, and apparently he formed his fourth, his first band called Meatloaf Soul after mm-hmm. a nickname coined by his football coach because of his weight. Mm-hmm. So there you go. I mean, it's, it's one of those things where it's like, yeah, like, if it didn't work, you know... I guess what my what it comes back to me is that a band called Hoobastank once had a number one song, so like if they could make it work, then any name's fine, you know. Um, and so uh, they Hoobastank tell me is, is a name. It is. I forget exactly what it means. There was a oh, it was it was a shortening of a thing they used to joke with each other. Remember, I looked this up once that they would say it's shortening of whose butt stink. So great, they made a they were a hit. Band, <laughs> um, so and they didn't uh, even use the word ass either. No, uh, and so. They mentioned that there was another incident, and, uh, you know, he's really dismissive about being involved. Yeah, he, um, he's, he's dismissive about being involved. Um, he, he just, but my thing is, like, when they're having this whole thing, why don't they just fucking ask who bought the last few, like, that week? Yeah, and the thing is, the answer could be... I don't know. I don't keep records, and they pay in cash. But the fact they don't ask is annoying. I mean, and also you assume yes. that that was you assume that was asked by the other police officers before, but you wish that they said something about it. Right? Yeah. I mean, it was a different time. I guess it was a different time. I no, 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 no. Well, no. The reason they don't ask in this scene is because he mentioned no, that they police. Had been visited by the yeah, cops. exactly. Yeah, but you I wish that they mentioned it in some way. Yes. Correct. Um. But yeah. Um, but, but yeah, I, I don't know like how much more to elaborate on what you had queried me before yeah queried me about wait what well, specifically what about why they were why he was like he wasn't sure why they would suspect him oh whatever. like that uh you know he's saying like because he's like I, you can't possibly think i did this for publicity because they bring up that because he made an ad about uh the voodoo dolls that have been killing people or whatever he put the out killer voodoo dolls yeah yeah um and but he's basically like if you have nothing else like no more evidence then we're done here and so we see monk show up at natalie's and natalie is nowhere to be found it seems and she's sitting on the stairs, which is, you know you're in crisis, because there are a lot of more comfortable places to sit than the stairs. Not only is she sitting on the stairs, but she has, like, her head up against the wall. So, she, like many people on the show, uh, usually, is down very bad. Yeah. Uh, and when Monk is kind of, like, just talking at her, not realizing that she's in distress, um, but she then points over at the table, and, uh, there's a voodoo doll, and the voodoo doll, its head falls off. Yeah, so... I think she's having the appropriate reaction to this, I'll say. That she's reacting appropriately to... Yeah, because getting, like, decapitated, it could go very well, or not very well, but, like, very smoothly, or very not smoothly. And that's a very scary... Because, I mean, like, if you're going to have a heart attack, then, you know, it's going to happen, and, like, it is what it is. You're going to get hit by lightning. Mm -hmm. All right, sure. You get hit by a baseball. Okay. Mm -hmm. But, like, a decapitation is just a very jarring situation to have to come to terms with. Yeah, it's, it's less than ideal, definitely. Um, and uh, the, the cops are then going to... They're en route. They're going to be there in five minutes. But in the postmark says specific heights, which you mentioned. And the problem is, this isn't the first time this has happened by uh, the killer misspelled Natalie's name. Yeah. Um, is this where we get to, like, her neighbor, her former neighbor? Her what? Her former neighbor. No. Oh, oh no no I mean yeah, sure yeah we can get there now um, but uh, yeah yeah so apparently like when she used to live in a place with Mitch uh, in South Cadillac had... yeah did she say that she said in South Carolina she didn't say South Cadillac I said that okay <laughs> I didn't know what the fuck Cadillac was well oh I'm sorry you're not from the South yeah no I'm not sorry 
Um, but so yeah, uh, from South when they lived in South Carolina, apparently they lived in a building or some sort of complex, and they had a uh, a neighbor there that was a voodoo priestess, mm-hmm. and apparently she had foretold something bad was going to happen to Mitch, and she never warned him about it, and that was like shortly before he was shot down, and uh, you know died like a coward. Exactly. Yep. Never forget. Um, never and forget. so never no. And so, like, you know, she's d- distraught about this, um, and, uh, you know, can't really be talked out of it. And then, you know, they show up, Monk, uh, not, excuse me, Stalin and Disher show up, and then Monk demonstrates the head coming off, um, and uh, then that just, you know, makes Natalie feel even worse. Then we cut to Natalie at night, and she's doing a thing that many of us have done, staring up at the ceiling fan. Yeah, I mean, I, I mean, I only really did that until recently because I didn't have a ceiling fan growing up, uh, or in most places that I lived. Uh, but yeah, it's I'm like, actually the exact opposite in that because in Florida, as you might imagine, every room has a ceiling fan because it's fucking hot. Um, yeah. And so I grew up with them, and then ever since I moved to New York, I've never had one. I miss it. I would like a ceiling fan very badly. They're great, big fan. I'm terrified of them now. Ever since Twin Peaks. I mean, in actuality, they can't decapitate you. They, they, they. No, they, no. They don't do that in Twin Peaks. Oh. It's just like a harbinger of bad things that are going to happen. Oh, well, that's fair. But yeah, I remember Mythbusters says that they lose velocity basically instantaneously when they get off the, uh, when they get broken off. It's, it's still a thing falling on you, but you're never, you can't get, like, decapitated by it. Um, well, yeah, I mean, it's, pla- it's like half the time it's made out of plastic. It's like metal or anything. Mm-hmm. And it's not going, like, fucking 50 miles per hour. Anyway, are you familiar, this is not a ceiling fan thing, but are you familiar with the uh, South Korean superstition of fan death? No, it's that people there still a lot of time, it's, they still do this in some plate uh, some companies warn that you should only run a fan in your room for three hours because basically there was a widely held belief when f- like electric fans were introduced that they were taking air out of the room in order to like blow and so they say you would they the thing they say you would suffocate because you're gonna lose all the air in the room if the fan was running for too long. Okay, so. I was gonna get super dark with it when you said fan death and referred to like the Liverpool like, disaster. <laughs> 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 Great stuff. Yeah. Um, sorry. So then, yeah, no, don't, you know the reference. don't say sorry. Because <laughs> um, I'm the only one here. I mean, and if you thought that I had a problem with that, then that's we we haven't had a we haven't done enough. We've done too many hours of podcasts for you to think that I would mind. Um, and so, how many hours are we at? Do you think? This is like the hundred and thirteenth episode, and it probably averaged about forty-five minutes. So probably like eighty-ish. Um, okay. Anyway, I mean, we used to we used to run long. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I can actually. I, I there's actually a concrete answer I could get if I just go on our SoundCloud account. But anyway, um, okay. So now Natalie then goes into the bathroom, and then we see the next morning, uh, Randy's looking in all the drawers to help him open up a thing of gingerbread cookies. Um, and, uh, Don't know why you would have so much trouble opening up a fucking jar of gingerbread cookies and you would need a knife to do it. That is true. Um, and Natalie comes in. She didn't sleep. Um, and uh, she we didn't learn that she threw away all the knives in her house. She threw away all the knives and she threw away like a bunch of other stuff. But yeah. So yeah, like the, the garden yeah. shears or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And so she's like super paranoid about it. It's like a very Final Destination like type fucking scene to be mm. quite honest. Um, and so Disher, being the typical horrible person that he is, he finally manages to open up the gingerbread cookie, which is it Christmas time? Why are we eating fucking gingerbread cookies right now? Anyways, he gets a gingerbread cookie and he fucking bites off the head first, which Mm -hmm. just gets Natalie even more fucking paranoid about the situation. Uh Uh And unlike, and they offered to her, but unlike Ryan Reynolds and Denzel Washington, she's not willing to be in safe house. Um, she wants to stay in her house. Um... And, um, she's, you know, just completely, uh, basically done with everything. And Randy says he doesn't believe in it. Why does he say he doesn't believe in it? Because he's a Pisces. <laughs> Which yeah. is, like, hilarious. But like I said, That's earlier in the episode, he, earlier in the episode, he didn't want to fucking look at the doll. And now yeah. he's, like, just, yeah, whatever, anyways. And then we cut to the police station, and Stalmer's on the phone yelling at someone, and basically turns out the mayor went public with all this information, and now there are a million copycats all over the city. Yeah, uh, about the most believable part of this episode. Mm-hmm. 
to be quite honest. Yeah, because if that happened, you know everyone would be wanting to, like, send their ex-boyfriend or ex-girlfriend a voodoo doll and make them think they're going to die. Right, but the important thing here that Monk points out is that there's only three, now four, actual voodoo dolls that they need to, like, yeah. investigate. Mm-hmm. Um, and unfortunately for them, their number one suspect, Reverend Jorgensen, has an alibi for the first three victims. Mm-hmm. Um, obviously, now he's not dead yet, so they yeah. can't claim that. Mm-hmm. And, and so, yeah, they so they have a solution for that, or someone. Well, there's a that, well, well, let me say, there's a key yeah, thing yeah. they mention here is that it's the same handwriting, and the right the addresses are never written on the box; they're written on labels. Which, in hindsight, that's you know, because the whole thing is that they the addresses were written on afterwards, um, so they're written on labels. Um, oh, I didn't guess that. I, I still like have you're gonna have to help me out with. Oh yeah, 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 happened because um, I was like yeah. I don't know. And so. Um, Monk mentions that Natalie's scared to death, um, that she's wearing one of those dog funnels around her neck, um, which just feels like that would just isolate her neck to be for easier decapitation. So I don't know. I agree. I agree. I feel like it would present. It would be more presentable upon oh. removal. Yeah. Um, and so uh, <laughs> Monk says, "You know, it'll take me forever to replace her." And then he stops himself, and it's like, not that that's the most important thing, but Samar, as you mentioned, has a solution to this. Yeah, he's got a solution. And we get a nice little uh, tribute to the exercise. A little hat tip. Uh, yeah, uh, a movie I have not seen since I was like 13 years old. Mm. Um, I'm that movie uh, holds up. Uh, oh, does it? I watched it for the first time like a year and a half ago, and it completely is still scary as shit. It is still my scary. Mom, my mom refuses to watch that movie. She it, watched it when she was like 13 in Nicaragua, and she fucking yeah. is like, no, it's, don't even talk about uh, it. It is really really the thing about movies like that, i think that movies like that are timeless the ones that are timeless are timeless because a good horror movie is in my opinion much more reliant on the actors reacting to what's happening than the actual effects or whatever like i think that that's why there's i think that's why horror movies are so considered bad a lot of times because they're made so cheaply with terrible actors and like you don't yeah. need good if you don't need good special effects if you have fucking Ellen Burstyn leg, playing legitimately what it would be like to have a mental breakdown as your daughter is possessed by the devil you know like you don't need good you don't need good special effects if you have that. Uh, to this, I mean, I I watched it like in the last couple of years, but I think my the best scary movie I've ever seen, which I really hate to even say because of the director, Rosemary's Baby. I've actually never seen it because I just, I'll watch it at some point, but it's one of those things where it's like if I'm going to sit down and watch a movie and it's between a movie directed by a man who raped a 13-year-old and a, another movie, I'm probably not going to pick that one, but I do need to watch I know it's very good. I get it. it it's, yeah. I know, I know, oh, I know. Man. Well, I hate to fucking like chime no, in No, 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 no. I'm not putting that on you. I think that, I mean, I've watched all the X-Men movies and I know all Brian Singer's on, so it's not really a... Uh, but yeah. yeah, if you can, watch that. Yeah. That's like... It fucks with you. And so, um, yeah, Hadley Jorgensen, a.k.a. Reverend Jorgensen, comes to help. um, And he's there to break the curse, um, much like the 2004 Red Sox. Yeah, and, uh, you know, he starts going through the whole rigmarole. He starts breaking up all kinds of herbs, you know, putting stuff in there, boiling a bunch of crap, and he lights a candle, tosses some powder that, you know, happens to be the devil's dung. To which, you know, Monk, you know, appropriately reacts to. Mm-hmm. And uh, he gives Monk specific instructions. He brings, like, a replica voodoo doll mm-hmm. and gives him some adhesive. Which I felt like, if you want to keep the whole purity of the whole thing, you would have found some natural adhesive yeah. to use to, to bind the head back. But basically, mm-hmm. yeah, the job is to bind the head back to the voodoo mm-hmm. doll body. And then there's a classic, uh, it doesn't have to be perfect exchange. Um, it doesn't have to be perfect. And he's getting very, very impatient. Um, and so he finally grabs it from him, and he says, the potion is ready. Now, I think that he fucked up here, because as far as I'm concerned, a potion is a thing you drink. You don't call it a potion if you're not supposed to drink it. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah, he fucked up, and so, yeah, like, he's, like, Natalie drinks the potion, and, you know, they all start freaking out, and Monk's like, what can we do? And he, Reverend Jorgensen says, call 911. And no, he like, just says 911, and then Monk says, is that a part of the chant? <laughs> Yeah, um, and actually, for whatever reason, I actually thought this was, like, very horrible acting by your boy Meatloaf. Oh, I, I think he's he's over he's overdoing it a little bit. I don't know I don't know if he... I think that what he's trying to play is that in a moment of crisis, this guy reveals himself to just be a charlatan. Um, 
That like he yes. could, and I think I don't think he plays it that well, but I think that that's what he's trying to do. Um, okay. And as the ambulance rolls up, Meatloaf says maybe we should induce vomiting, and I do love that. Mark says no, that will be plan. We're never gonna do that. <laughs> yeah. Uh, no do. Uh, horrible joke. Anyways. Um, so the pair... I mean... So, uh, fortuitously or unfortuitously, uh, Angeline shows up. Uh, she's one of the paramedics. Uh, she said she was an ER nurse. She's not an ER nurse. She's a paramedic. Those are two very different things. Mm-hmm. And uh, she... You know, she's going to take Natalie to the hospital. And, you know, uh, Reverend Jorgensen offers Monk a ride. Well, first, uh, Reverend Jorgensen, it's important to note that Reverend Jorgensen recognizes Angeline. Um, oh, right, that's true. Yeah. And so, yeah, they're they're in uh, in the car, Reverend Jorgensen and Monk, and then the ambulance is in front of them. And, um, you know, uh, as is going on, Jorgensen is, like, basically trying to get his alibi straight. Like, I never said to drink it. You were a witness. That's, and he says, that's voo, don't. Um, you know. Yes, correct. That's right. And Monk then remarks, though, it's a small world after all. Um, what are the odds that the paramedic was Re- Robert Boyd's niece? But then he remembers, wait, for Victor number two, she was also the paramedic. Yeah, so things are starting to get click into place. Um, until they slowly realize that somehow Angeline is behind all this. And it just so happens that her uncle was the third victim. So there's a lot of connective tissue here. Yeah. And so that's when they get into the here's what happened, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. Which is basically her uncle was a target because he was fucking loaded mm-hmm. and she wanted the cash. And so I guess she took advantage of the fact that... It, I mean, you tell you just do it. Okay, I, I so really her uncle is the real target, and but she didn't want just him to die because that would be suspicious. So she concocted an idea to use um, voodoo as like a, a voodoo-type serial killer um, to then make it not suspicious that her uncle dropped dead of a heart attack. So, what the big thing she needed to do was she needed packages with real postmarks on them. So what she did was she mailed boxes to herself. She mailed the voodoo dolls. Uh, not Sorry, not the voodoo dolls. She mailed the boxes to herself to get the postmark and then added a label on it um, to make it seem like it was to the people who got it. And what she did in the first two cases was that she was the paramedic on scene, stole the victim keys, and then broke in, not broke in, but like went into their apartment and put an open box to make it seem like they opened the mail themselves for the first two, right? So the, right. the voodoo dolls were placed post, you know, death. Um, and then with her uncle, she just straight up poisoned him and then put the voodoo doll next to him after he died to make it seem like that was what she was for. And as for Natalie, that was just to scare her uh, and to get Monk discombobulated. Correct. And so, as this is happening, as he's explaining this, like, Natalie is slowly realizing that this uh, paramedic is not what she seems. They get into an argument. They start fighting around and stuff. And, like, you know, Monk and Jorgensen are on their tail. And Monk tells them to, like, just ram it. And basically, they ram it, like, off the road. Mm -hmm. And luckily, they're able to put a stop to Angeline's uh, crimes. Exactly. Um... And so then we cut to the end bit where Monk is, you know, walking, poking meters, um, and, uh, you know, she, he welcomes Natalie back to the rational world. I'll say this. I'm sorry. So during the chase scene, the thing that struck, that stood out to me the most was that gas at some point was 229, which is just like, damn. Crazy. That's honestly a good, good catch. Uh, yeah, it kills me. Every time I go to a place and it's like 450, I'm like, fuck. Mm. Yeah, man. Freaking... Uh, the pump, you know, the paying at the pump. I, I was gonna try to do like a news cat. You know how the news always covers gas prices, like pay high prices at the pump this week. F- f- uh, yeah. Some some drivers are reporting prices as high as four fifty in the Marina del Rey area. That's accurate. Yeah, I mean, I picked up what I knew was a rich area of uh, Los Angeles. Um, okay. Anyway, I'm glad you didn't you didn't settle for Beverly Hills. No, no, no. I, I like also like Marina del Rey because in uh, I know you're gonna hate this, but in one of the Californian sketches. I really like the way that... I In my mind, I remember the way Josh Brolin says the words, yeah, there's a shortcut through Marina Del Rey. I think about that a lot. Um, and so, anyway. I think that's some SNL bullshit or something. Yeah, I mean, I don't know how you live in California, you're just not at least familiar with the Californians. It was like a, the biggest sketch of the 2010s, probably. Well, that's not here or there. Um, no, that's why I know. I, I'm yeah. familiar with it, but I just don't know. Yeah. Um, I mean, it's, it's funny. I'm not going to pretend it's not. Anyway. Uh, but... 
yeah, he's talking about how rational he is, etc. But obviously, as this is happening, he is poking all of the meters. Yes. And so, yeah, that's the irony that uh, he's not superstitious, but he's also poking every fucking meter. Yeah. All right. What do, you get this upset, what do you get this upset out of 10? Uh, I gave it an 8 out of 10. As much as I didn't like it, it's still very entertaining. And I like the whole voodoo, voodoo doll thing, even though it didn't go quite where I wanted it to go. Yeah, this is the rare. I think this probably happened five or six times. The rare one point spread. I gave this a 9. I really like this episode a lot. Um, for reasons I've talked about. Um, it is what it is. I mean, I, You didn't really sell it like that, honestly. I, I mean, I don't... I, you know, the thing is, because I don't know how to explain why I like it so much without seeming like I am... Like, I just like... The, I, I like anything where... I like episodes of crime shows where there's a very, like, supernatural explanation for something and, like, everyone has to, like, deal with whether or not that's actually what's happening and then it's revealed that it's all can be explained rationally. And that's the thing I like a lot in crime shows. Um, I think it probably has to go back to thing that I, you know, am a... I cling tightly to the notion that everything has a rational explanation, but, like, that's something I love about Psych, where Psych basically has, like, every single type of supernatural thing. There's an episode where they people think it's aliens, there's an episode where people think it's vampires, there's an episode where people think it's werewolves. Like, just, I love when that's the, that's the hook of a crime show. Um, and okay. so, I don't know. I And I, I like I like the conceit, too. I think it's a fun murder thing where, like, you know, people... It's, it's, it reminds me of... I remember CSI had a uh, pseudo killer plot with the miniature killer, where it was the person who made miniatures... Of murders that they were going to commit, um, it was very similar. Um, but you uh, watch way too much network television, bro. I but this is like two thousand nine when I was still you know growing up. But also, yeah, man, you can also watch this network television, Real Americans. So you want to understand Real America? You fucking coastal elitist, watch from network television. You know. Oh, I thought you were calling me an immigrant or something. What the hell? Don't put that in my mouth. I was not doing that. <laughs> I know, I just want to cancel you so bad. I, I know you're trying, but it's like, I, you know, um, I, I don't want to say I don't, I don't even put effort into not getting canceled. I just, like, if I don't, I'm not out here thinking cancelable things. <laughs> yeah, uh, right. Anyway, uh, so you can follow this show at Strictly Monk, and Andre, we will follow you. You could follow me at Andre Barrera. And you can follow me at Jay Christie. Please rate, you subscribe, and listen later this week as we talk about Mr. Monk goes to group therapy. Uh, man, I'm at a blank here. Let's get monkey, baby.